morning. Thank you for joining us, Evangel Church family and those that are jumping on as guests. Happy Mother's Day. I hope that you are getting spoiled right now, um, that you have had a fabulous morning, all of our moms. So let's open in prayer. Let's pray a blessing for our moms. Let's pray for those that are having this first Mother's Day maybe without their moms. Also, just a quick note that we had said we were going to include our Mother's Day tribute video as part of this live stream. And just due to some technical difficulties, that will actually be premiering as a separate video. So be watching for that. But let's pray. Father God, thank you this morning for moms. God, we thank you for the legacy that they leave. And we know that this is part of your design for humanity and for family, that the stories of your goodness will be passed down from generation to generation, that we would learn about you and we would learn about how to be uh, people that honor and revere you by the example set before us through our parents. And so we pray for a blessing over moms this morning. God, we pray comfort for those that are having this Mother's Day, and they are grieving and mourning for the loss of their moms. We pray for Orville and Elfrida as they are still so fresh in grieving Elma. We pray for the Lefebvre's as they're so fresh in grieving Grandma. God, we just pray that your presence and your peace would surround them. And for others, God, that are either dealing with the grief of not having a mom here due to death or just due to strange relationship, Lord, on this day that can bring back painful memories, God, would you be fresh and present and your peace and comfort envelop them. So we pray today, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would give us the ears to hear your voice as you speak and direct us. We love you and we desire to look more and more like you every day in your precious name. Amen. Well, jump in with me this morning. How do you handle feedback? You can phrase that however you want. How do you handle creative criticism? How do you handle um, growth conversations? But how do you handle feedback? I know that I would love to say that I am great at this, but the truth is it kind of stings, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know if it's ever going to be something that's really easy to see our flaws reflected back at us. Even when we know that they're there, even when we have a desire to grow and to do this in maturity, I don't think that it's ever going to be easy to see our flaws reflected back to us. But we come to this moment today in Hebrews 4 where God really looks us in the eyes and he says, are you ready? Are you ready to be confronted with the truth of your heart? Are you ready to be free of the things that entangle you? Are you ready for rest? And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. Hebrews 4, verses 12 to 13. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, the scripture will be on the screen. But I'd invite you to go over to myevangel.com 
church forward slash Bible. And there are some links there to some app stores where you can download the YouVersion Bible app for use on your device. But there's also a form there that will allow us to get a paper Bible into your hands. And that's one of our great joys is getting you the Bible. So myevangel.church forward slash Bible and flip with us to Hebrews 4 verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, this feels like a really odd way to conclude a passage on rest. <laughs> to finish it with pain, to finish it with this illustration of a sword that cuts deep and clean. I mean, that doesn't sound like a restful illustration to me. Like, can we go to Psalm 23 and talk about lush meadows and water running and give us that illustration, not of this like clean cut sword that cuts right through everything. But I want you to remember something this morning. You cannot be at war and rest simultaneously. You cannot be at war and rest simultaneously. The truth is that without this peace, without the refinement that comes, without the Holy Spirit removing things from our lives that don't belong there, we cannot have rest. You can't have war and rest simultaneously. You can't be in the midst of a battle of your old self versus who God is refining you to become and be at rest. You can't be in the midst of a battle of your sinful desires versus God's righteousness and be at rest. You just can't. It's one or the other. You can't be at war and rest simultaneously. So we have a choice. And it truly is a choice because God's given us free will. You see, we can surrender allowing God to do the deep work of purification in our lives, finding rest in his will and in his presence. Or we can choose to fight. We can choose to keep a tight grip on those parts of ourselves that serve us, allowing life to center on us. And we have the choice. We have the free will to choose. But we can't be at war and rest simultaneously. So let's dig back in to Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Have you ever been in the midst of a situation and you turn to the Bible and it feels like God just held this piece of scripture and dropped it down in front of you at just the right moment. And it just like cuts through all of the noise of the situation and brings clarity. I know I have, and I either love it <laughs> or I hate it, depending on what clarity it brings and what it does to me. If it's in my weakness, showing me my weakness that I tend to be like, for real. Um, and if it's bringing clarity and guidance, and I'm like, oh, God, that's amazing that you do that. And this word that we have here at the beginning of Hebrews 4.12 
for the word of God is definitely inclusive of the Bible. These moments where God uses this book to reveal his heart to us, to reveal our heart to us, to bring us face to face with the sin that he wants to remove from our lives. But this is actually bigger than just the scripture or just the Bible. In John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, John 1, verses 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word of God of Hebrews 4.12, the word of God, and the word of John 1 are the same. It's the same Greek word, logos. You see, the word of God in Hebrews 4 points us back to Jesus, who is the word. He is the living and active God who speaks to us through the Bible, Absolutely. But also through his spirit, because he's always talking and communicating with us. He shines through the darkness of our sinful humanity. He sees the deep motivations of our heart. As Hebrews 4.13 said, nothing is hidden to him. Or as John 1.5 says, the lights are on. Everything is visible. Nothing is secret to him. He sees through it all. He cuts through all of the pretense and the self-deception that we tend to hold on to. So are you at war? See, we can be at war without even realizing that we're at war. We live in this self-idolizing world where we are um, told that we should desire to get ahead. We should desire to be first. We should desire to be best. We should desire to be noticed. We should be desiring to be held in great esteem, that these are the things to fight for, to be great, to be someone, to do something amazing with your life. And we can so quickly buy into that and we become this self-centered, self-idolizing person, maybe without even um, understanding what it is that we're buying into. But those desires are always going to be at war with the principles of the kingdom of God. The principles of the kingdom of God are humility and generosity and revering Christ above ourselves, putting others above ourselves. And I want to ask you, where does that war for us to be first, for us to be noticed, for us to be great lead us? It leads us to exhaustion. It leads us to striving. It leads us to clawing for first place. It leads us to fear and anxiety of imposter syndrome. It leads us to broken relationships. It's exhausting. There's no rest there. And when we cling to our own desire of how life should be, it will always center around us. And the reality is we can't have war and rest at the same time. We can't be in this self-centered war against the principles of God and find rest. But when we yield, 
When we invite Jesus to search us, when we invite him to remove those things that don't belong in our lives, we find peace and rest. Why? Because he begins to remove the ill-fitting from us, the things that were never supposed to be part of who we are. He begins to remove the things that lead us to conflict with others from our lives. And most importantly, he removes the things that lead us to conflict with him from our lives. And we find rest. We find this soul deep rest that is peace with God. We're not at war anymore. We're yielding. We're surrendering because we can't have war and rest simultaneously. And listen, friends, this doesn't mean that we're perfect. This doesn't mean that we've arrived. This isn't the end result because we can't be perfect. We can't ever be holy enough or righteous enough here on earth. That is only going to come when we are face to face with Jesus at eternity. The peace and the rest isn't in the end result. It's in the surrender. It's in the yield, laying down the struggle, stopping the fighting. That's where rest is. Hebrews 4.13 goes on to say, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And this is the beginning of a fascinating little spin where the end comes back to the beginning and everything goes around full circle. And I know it can maybe not make sense as a full complete puzzle in the English because sometimes the English doesn't just grasp the nuances of the Bible because it doesn't grasp the nuances of the Hebrew and Greek languages that it's written in. And so let's walk through a fascinating journey and I hope you find it fascinating because I sure did. You see, the word here for account is logos, which was the same word for word of God in Hebrews 4.12 and for the word in John 1, 1 through 2. And it's the message of Hebrews 4.2 with the start of this section on rest that the Israelites heard but did not value. It's the same word repeated over and over and over. And so on one hand, we can look at this standing before God who we're going to give account. Everything's laid bare and uncovered. And it can almost be like an uncomfortable or a scary thing. Like we're going to be blindsided. We're not going to know what the requirements were. And we're going to have to stand before God. And he's going to ask us these tough questions that we're not going to be sure how to answer. But when we factor in the fact that this is the same word, the message that we heard, the word of God who's piercing and looking, who's cutting through bone and marrow, when we know that it's the same word of God who's illuminating things in our lives. And I want to put it to you this other way in light of Mother's Day. It's like standing before your mom who has been telling you over and over and over to load the dishwasher. And she looks at you finally and says, did you do it? Did you load the dishwasher? 
And you can answer, yes, I did. I obeyed what you asked me to do. Or no, I disregarded your voice. I didn't listen to your instruction. When we stand to give account, this isn't a blindsiding moment. It's either answering, yes, I obeyed, but you've been speaking to me over and over and over. I heard your voice and I heeded it. I heard your instruction and I followed obediently and faithfully or no. I disregarded what you spoke to me. No, I ignored your promptings. No. But either way, this isn't a God who's been absent, who now we have to stand before in judgment. This is a God who's been very near, who's been speaking. And I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but God is speaking to you. God is near. Whether you give credit to his voice and you acknowledge it as his or not, God has been whispering to you your entire life. The question today is whether we will surrender the war of our will versus his to find rest. See, true rest is only going to come when we prioritize the voice of God above all else. It's only going to come when we trust him enough to walk in obedience to the things that he asks of us. When we were first married, Lucas and I, we uh, set out on a road trip to a conference in Kelowna. Now, we had a map. It was a paper map. Um, Google Maps wasn't a thing yet. And I don't actually know if I could have read it anyway. <laughs> Anyone who knows me well knows that I do not do good with directions. I am incredibly directionally challenged. I'm very thankful that we live now in a world of Google Maps. But regardless, we had this paper map Um and we had the route like kind of all worked out and I was navigating first mistake, but I was so certain I knew the way to get from Surrey to Kelowna. So off we went and Lucas asked me multiple times, like, are you sure we're on the right track? Like, are you sure we're going the right way? And I was so certain that we were. And it wasn't until we hit like Salmon Armish area that we realized we were very off target and we needed to stop and ask for directions. See, having a map is really only good if you look at it. Trusting in my own good idea, my own certainty of how we were supposed to get there landed us in a pickle. It landed us in the middle of a fight. It landed us like four hours off target. Friends, we have a God who sees everything. It is all uncovered and laid bare before him. Having a map is only good if we look at it. And having someone who knows exactly how our life is going to be best, knows exactly who we were designed to be, is only good if we ask of him. And if we trust his response Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing's hidden from us. When he looks at us, everything is uncovered and laid bare. Everything. That brave face that you try to put on, he sees through it. That lie that you tell yourself so that it lessens the guilt or fear or anger or whatever it is, he sees through it. He's the one that we have the opportunity to obey in faith 
or discard in self-reliance. This life that we've been invited to, it's not an easy one, but it is full of peace and rest. It's one that will ask us to surrender, to yield, to cut out that which is going to be longful to or harmful to us in the long run. And I know that short term, this can seem kind of like counterintuitive or kind of terrible. Like why would a God who created us look at us with so much judgment? Why would a God who loves us ask us to change so much about ourselves? Why would a God who is good ask us to go through the pain of being confronted with our flaws and weakness? Could I change the script on you? Because maybe, just maybe, he knows where the turn to Kelowna is when our good idea is going to bring us four hours off target. Because a God who made you knows exactly what's supposed to be in your life and what's not. Because a God who is loving will never want to see you go down a road that's going to harm you and harm others in the long run when he could have caused momentary short pain to remove it. Because a God who is good wants good things for you. And you just can't see what he can see. Hebrews 4.2 says, For we, have, we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message, Logos, they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Friends, obedience leads us to a life of rest. Obedience trusts the character of God, that he alone knows the best way forward, that he alone knows what our futures hold, that he alone can see the motivation of my heart better than I can. Because let's be honest, I lie to myself all the time. It's why we need that Word of God, who's alive and active, who's seeing, who has the lights turned on, who's speaking it back to me, reflecting it. Obedience trusts that when the voice of God whispers that it's time to change, he has a reason. And that he'll be with us through this entire process. This isn't self-help. This isn't like just pull up your socks. This isn't um, a self-performed surgery. This is a yielding to a skilled surgeon. It's a releasing of what we hold on to, to God, allowing him to do what he needs to do so that we look more and more like him. Not my strength, but a yielding of my life to him. We've been invited into rest. In the last few weeks, we've heard that echoed through this passage of scripture we cannot be at war and at rest simultaneously. So let me ask you again, how do you handle feedback? How do you do when God whispers that it's time to deal with something in our lives? How do we respond when he beckons us to surrender, to cut out the things that are going to destroy us in the long run? It's so hard. If you're like me, I just want to freeze and cling tight to my brokenness because there's comfort there. 
it's really scary to venture into the unknown of what my life is going to look like then <laughs> when God does this finished work. But when I cling to my brokenness, I just find myself in this spin cycle, repeating the same mistakes, repeating the same broken patterns over and over and over. But we have the choice to surrender. We have the choice to allow God to do his expert work, to give him the freedom to refine us. This morning I was reading through a devotional that I'm going through called Soul Rest, and this quote jumped out at me by Curtis Zachary. When rest is at the soul level, it's untouchable by traditional means. When rest is at the soul level, it's untouchable by traditional means. Friends, we can be in war and think that we're going to find rest through more naps, that we're going to find rest through a vacation, that we're going to find rest through binging on Netflix, that we're going to find rest through escaping somehow. But that is never going to be true rest. True rest happens at the soul level where the things of life can't touch. Rest only happens when we're at peace with God, when we surrender to him. And we can't be at war and rest simultaneously. Friends, God doesn't revel in revealing our brokenness to us. He doesn't revel in our pain. He's not some God who's like delighting in the fact that these things hurt. He's a God who reveals our brokenness to us because he wants to change and transform that into wholeness and into life. He wants to do that beautiful trade of our sin for his perfection, of our brokenness for his wholeness. And I'm so thankful that we have a God who does the deep work for us. This isn't relying on myself or on my strength because I'll never be strong enough to cut those things out of my life on my own. And when we get into those moments where we're confronted with the choice, are we going to obey what God says? Are we going to trust he knows what's best? Are we going to hold tight? I want to remind you of John 1, 4. In him is life. God's work in our lives is never for our harm or destruction. It always invites us to yield to where life is in him. And that's where we find our rest. Let me pray for you. So, Father God, I thank you so much that you know that 